You're listening to Divorce Happy Hour with your hosts, Christina Previtt and John Knocklinger. We're two divorce lawyers from New Jersey here to talk about love, life, and divorce. Whether you're thinking about divorce, going through one now, or been there, done that, or if you're just a divorce voyeur, this show is for you. To learn more about us and our law firm, you can find us at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com. You can also find us on social media. Just search for NJ Divorce Solutions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let us know if you like the show or hate the show and what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Please keep in mind that this show is for informational purposes only. It's not intended to take the place of legal advice. If you need legal advice, please call New Jersey Divorce Solutions at 732-384-1550 and mention this program for a free consultation. And joining me today is John Knocklinger, the other half of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, and as always, it's me, Christina Previtt, because I'm a big old ham and I like to be heard. <laughs> say hi, John. I would say I'm the better half, but she'll throw something across the table at me. Yeah, he's not the better half. I'm just saying. <laughs> I said the other half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First thing we have to talk about is what's in the news. I have seen this recurring article that really has me just um, completely flabbergasted. It seems like we've taken so many steps back. But I would be curious to know what the public thinks. So please um, inbox us about what you think. Um, You can email me at Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, at PNLawNJ.com or John at PNLawNJ.com. So apparently there's a guy in North Carolina who was happily married, or at least in his own mind, he was happily married, and his wife cheated on him. Shocker. Shocking. Yes. She cheated on him. He somehow finds out about this and ultimately sues the other man for interfering with his marriage. And what's really shocking about it is that he won. He actually got a $750,000 settlement. Amazing. That to me, to me, it's like we have gone back to, I want to say caveman days, but I guess we didn't really talk about this stuff then. It it just, to me, screams archaic when you can actually sue somebody because they had an affair with your wife. What's interesting to me about this also as a woman, I don't know if the, if it would have been the same if perhaps the husband had cheated. We don't have that situation before us. But I wonder, would the situation have been looked at the same way if it was a man who had cheated? Because, you know, back in the day, women were property. So it was offensive if somebody trespassed upon your property, which was your wife, and those laws just don't exist anymore. So I'm to me, it's a little too reminiscent of that. I don't know if I'm just being sensitive because I am a woman. What do you think, John? No, I don't think you're being sensitive. I don't know what the law says, although I'm, this article is kind of interesting that the sort of uh, penalty was the loss of affection. So am I to believe that the reason he had to pay out uh, yeah, he had to pay $750,000 was because he forced this woman to lose her feelings for her husband. Is that the point of this? Because if that's the case, I'm really at a loss because, you know, I don't know a lot of happily married people that cheat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. That's why you're cheating I mean, in the first place. Right. Because you're not happy. There's something that you're not getting out of the relationship. It might just true. be affection. 
maybe you're, you're not attracted to your spouse anymore. There's, there's something lacking if you were seeking affection or sex or whatever it is outside of the marriage. I think we can all agree on that. Well, apparently in North Carolina, you can sue relatives and in-laws if their conduct interferes with the marriage. So that's what it is. It's interference with the marriage. So wouldn't you have to actually prove that the marriage was perfect and nothing would have nothing would have ended this marriage but for the fact that they were having the affair? Quite frankly, I don't know if there was a jury or if this was a judge that made this decision either. It doesn't say this in the article. But to your point about if it was a, a um, man who had cheated, I would be really curious what the outcome would have been. It's particularly, yeah. is it a jury or a judge? Because if it's a jury, um, you know, I think juries are by and large usually equally weighted between men and women. Most juries are anyway. So I don't know. There would be a big difference. I don't know. I don't know. I guess time will tell. We don't know a lot about the background of this case because it's in the news, but they're not really focusing on it so much from a legal aspect. So they don't really get into the nitty gritty of the legal reasoning behind it or if this is something that's customary in North Carolina. I tend to think that it's not or it wouldn't have been a news article. Well, this same, did you see down in the article where this same lawyer won another one of these cases and got a $5.9 million judgment? We're going to have to call him. We're going to have to have him come on the show. Yeah. I mean, Uh, clearly, if uh, your spouse has cheated on you in the state of North Carolina, you should be calling this attorney. Yeah. So for all of you out there who's got a cheating spouse and you want to get back at them, maybe you should move to North Carolina. (laughs) <laughs> but you might want to, you know, consult with an attorney there first because they have some jurisdiction rules. But the other thing I think uh, really bothers me about this is that it seems to take the responsibility away from the two individuals who are in the marriage, right? So why is it this other guy's fault that the wife cheated, you know, that their marriage wasn't going the way the husband planned? I just, I don't. I mean, look, it's not morally right to have an affair with someone who's married, but I don't see, I see the primary responsibility lying with the spouses, the the people that stood before the world and stood in front of an altar or whatever they did and exchanged vows. They made promises to each other to be faithful. This guy didn't. Well, and how do we know what this woman said to him? She might have gone to him and said, my marriage is over. I'm in, you know, I don't want to be married anymore. And that might have been what he acted on. Yeah. I mean, I know this might be fact specific, but this sounds like this guy is just getting hit because he had sex with a married woman. Yeah. And then they got divorced. So I don't know if it's just uh, society. It's maybe a backlash by society trying to maybe bring morals back into it. Because most states now are no-fault states. New Jersey is a no-fault state. So you don't have to prove any kind of fault to get divorced. You don't have to prove cruelty or adultery or any of those things like you used to have to. And you just want a divorce, you get a divorce. And it's really that easy. Maybe people are offended by that. Maybe they're trying to bring back um, fault in some sense because this seems to be doing that. But we will see that to my knowledge, there has never been a case like this in New Jersey. I would I can't imagine there will be. And I would like to explore this a little further, but we welcome your comments. I'd love to know what what other people think about this. Are you offended by this or do you think this is great? Do you think it's about time that we're addressing adultery that takes place within marriage? So moving on, today's topic is going to be about co-parenting. 
This is something that obviously we deal with all the time. Usually it comes in this the um, the context of having co-parenting problems. It's the people that are able to co-parent successfully together. We don't generally hear from them too much. But there are certain issues that come up repeatedly with co-parenting. I think that for a lot of them, the solution is the same. But we're going to go over some of the common pitfalls of co-parenting. And if you can relate to some of these things, um, maybe you have some solutions we haven't thought of. Feel free to reach out to us and give us your insight. Maybe that's something that we can talk about in the future. So the first thing I want to go over is what are some of the basics of co-parenting? So really at the foundation of co-parenting is what have you both agreed on that is going to form the basis for rules for your co-parenting? So that could just be a verbal agreement between the two of you. It could be something that's in writing. It could be in writing in the form of just a letter between the two attorneys that may be involved. It could be an order. It could be something that an, a judge has ordered you to do. Or it could be something that you worked out. I, I'm afraid to use the word amicably. Maybe it wasn't so amicable, but at some point in time you reach an agreement and it's been reduced in writing. Maybe it's in something that's referred to as a consent order. A or, judge didn't order. Yeah, a settlement agreement, something like that. So you have something in writing that gives you direction on on co-parenting. And it, it could be just, you know, what days are yours and what days are the other parties, but it can also be much more detailed. It could be times that you pick the children up. It could be where you pick them up. It could be at school. If, if it's really not amicable, then sometimes it's at a police station. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, at a McDonald's somewhere. Um, there could also be some other restrictions, like that certain people not to be present during the exchange. The I new girlfriend? Yes, the new girlfriend. <laughs> that's where I was going. Or the new boyfriend. Um, or, you know, so, uh, like a, another relative, maybe uh, the complaint I hear a lot is that dad's at work and he has grandma come and pick up the kid. And sometimes that's not agreeable to the other party. So there might be some restriction that the parent is the one who actually has to do the exchange. What other kinds of things have you seen, John? Well, you're going to have the holiday schedule, vacation policies. Um, I think there's always two kinds of agreements, right? There's the kind that is very specific, and there's the kind that sort of anticipates your ability to co-parent and cooperate moving forward. And I'm always guided by what went on during the divorce litigation. If, if there's a letter back and forth every, you know, if there's a 10-minute late drop-off for parenting time, then the agreement probably needs to be a little bit more specific. If two parents really resolved everything largely on their own and they're really amicable, um, maybe something a little bit more generic is uh, appropriate. I mean, we have people right now who have work schedules that are in flux all the time, where they're not just nine to five. And because of that, you can't really have a very specific uh, parenting schedule um, that can be adhered to all the time. So I see a lot of this movement towards more flexibility in parenting schedules. Unfortunately, if either parent has a lot of emotion that they haven't gotten rid of, which I think is what ultimately gets in the way of co-parenting. I agree. Um, they just have the inability to be flexible at all. No, it says 5 p.m. If you're not here at 5 p.m., you don't get the kids tonight. I mean, you hear crap like that all the time, and it drives me crazy because, you know what? There was traffic. There was an accident on the on the highway, and I was late. Or it's raining. Or, yeah, there's right. someone Some, who's just running late. It happens. Or you got you had a late appointment at work. I mean, things happen. 
But yeah, I would say in terms of the agreements, um, and I always love uh, I always love when uh, you say th- something's guided by your agreements. One of my favorite phrases that Christina says, but it's true. You are guided by what's in your agreement, no matter what it is. But in this situation, um, I think what's important that I was and I always tell my clients this: that doesn't matter what your agreement says. When it comes to your kids, it is not written in stone. You have to be flexible because your kids are not kids aren't money. They're, they have their own uh, schedules, too. They're going to have situations where they want to stay that extra hour at a friend's house. And guess what? That throws off the whole schedule. Who cares? I mean, you're not supposed to be uh, militant and say, okay, if it says on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. you have to drop off the kids at my house, if you show up at 9.05, you shouldn't be calling the police. No, I don't think you should be calling the police. But And I do agree with you. There has to be some flexibility. But at the same time, I do believe that you should be, as you said, guided by your agreement. So if your agreement says that you have to be there at nine, then you should be there at nine. Unless there's traffic or you're running late or whatever. We know that that happens. That's life. But if you're chronically 15 minutes late, can you just stop it? Can you just knock it off? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it is inconvenient to the other party. And it is annoying to the other party. Unless, you know, you guys have just kind of developed this arrangement where you show up a little late, the other one doesn't seem to care, they don't complain, and it's fine. That's different. But when we say flexible, we just mean that you do need to take into consideration that sometimes things happen uh, and somebody may be late or they may need to call and say, hey, something came up. Can I come an hour late? Those things are going to happen. You you need to be flexible. And the better able you are to be flexible, the easier your life is going to be. Because if you're going to lose your mind every time the other party's five minutes late or, you know, they do something they're not supposed to do, like they don't return the clothes they're supposed to return or whatever the case may be. If you're going to lose your mind every time that happens, that affects you. It doesn't affect him or her. It affects you because you're the one who's hot and bothered all the time. And it may affect your children, too, because it's been my experience. You have those reactions in front of your kids. Yeah, and the kids see that, and it does cause them stress. It, you may think Lots it's not... It. But it absolutely is. It's causing them a lot of stress to see you upset, to see mom and dad not liking each other. Even if you insist that you don't talk about the other parent in front of the kid, I bet you you do. And I know I'll get slammed for this. You do. Because when your kid is in the other room listening, watching television, and you're in the kitchen and you're gabbing with one of your friends, they hear you. They hear that and they know they have a sense that mom and dad can't stand each other and it causes them a lot of stress. So what do you think is more, what do you like better, a very detailed parenting plan or something that is a little bit more uh, general? I think that it really just depends on what the, the kind of relationship the parties have because I've had situations where I kind of go into autopilot and I just start doing a lot of detail. And then I realize that this particular couple really doesn't need it. They don't need to have exactly which, you know, stop is going to be. They're going to meet at at 530 or, you know, whatever. Even as with um, holidays, sometimes you need to be much more detailed about how holidays are going to be divided up. Some people really don't need it. They really are able to just say, you know what, let's just agree on this from year to year. We'll we'll just we'll just figure it out. 
And that's wonderful. When they can do that, that's wonderful. It's wonderful for everybody. It's wonderful for the kids because they're not fighting. It's much easier for the parties. Takes out a whole element of stress for them. Not to mention a whole element of stress for you and me, John, because Mm. we don't have to micromanage what's going on between those two people. So for those people, they don't need a lot. And probably their their divorce or if, if they weren't married, you know, just reaching an agreement on custody is probably going to be relatively easy for them. But then you get the people who can't agree on the time of day. They can't agree on what color socks the kids should be wearing on a Thursday. Those are the people that resolving their matter takes forever. And if it takes forever, that means it's going to cost a fortune. And it's stressful. And again, that trickles down to the children. So the children sense that mom and dad can't agree on what the hell's going on. So (laughs) those are the people that really need a significant amount of detail. And really, for the worst cases, you could put, it doesn't even matter at some point how much detail you have, because they're not going to do it anyway. No, They're going to fight with each other. Someone's going to be five minutes late. The other one's going to swear it's on purpose. He did that on purpose, or she did that on purpose. And they're always going to find something to fight over. They just will. So I I think as I've done this for a number of years, I've been doing this 15 years now, I, I've sort of learned that for the ones where you really spend too much time and attention on the detail, it almost doesn't matter. I, this is not all doom and gloom either uh, for our listeners. I'd say 60 to 70% of all the clients I've ever had, they've been able to agree upon you know, parenting time and what they're going to do with their kids. Really, um, most people in a divorce, the most uh, things that we argue about the most typically revolve around money. But even in the people that have a very amicable relationship, they're able to resolve everything without their attorneys getting involved. I still like to convince people, like holidays are a great example. A lot of people will say, oh, we'll figure out holidays every year. My position's always been, that's fine. But the agreement should be specific. So in the event that you can't agree in the future, there's something in an agreement so you don't have to get attorneys involved in the future. So I always look at these uh, consent orders and parenting uh, judgments really as a fallback. So yes, you're right, Christina. There should be adherence to pick up and drop off times. But more the larger things like holiday time, vacations – I just find that you have to be flexible. You don't know what's going to happen. Vacation's a great example here. Let's say you're going to you say you're going to take summer vacation. Well, now your kids in lacrosse camp and they're in swimming camp and they want to go to this thing and this other thing. And now the parents can't take their vacation time during the summer. And now one of them wants to go on spring break for a week. Well, if your agreement didn't contemplate that, you're left with either the person your other ex-spouse saying yes. Or you have to go to court and get it changed. And that's those are the kinds of things that I see pop up when people get divorced when kids are young and now the kids are older and circumstances have changed. And that's what I'm talking about with flexibility. I mean, you have to be flexible knowing that your kids are going to change. Quite frankly, your kids aren't going to want to go to parenting time from time to time. They're not. They're going to want to go with their friends yeah. to Six Flags it's, or they're going to go want to go somewhere else. Especially when they get older. 
Yeah, where they want to hang out with their friends. Maybe mom lives in a neighborhood where there's more kids in the neighborhood, so they like being there. Yeah, you do have to be flexible. I think often, at least what we see, because don't forget, as lawyers, we really we don't see the people that get along the best. We see them, but they don't stay around long because they go off and they live their lives. They don't need us. But it's the people that are the more high-conflict cases. Those are the ones that we're constantly involved with because they need us more. So generally that's what we're referring to are those cases that we see all the time. And I think what happens too is I think people focus far too much on getting what they want. They they kind of forget sometimes that we're talking about your kids. Let's focus on what is in their best interest. That's the legal standard anyway. But really, as parents and as human beings, let's focus on what do they need this child or these children how old are they you know what are their needs um how are they emotionally and intellectually some kids are really resilient and they can with they can roll with it but some kids aren't some kids are more sensitive you know they're going to be more sensitive to seeing that fighting that's going on so i think we always have to consider that and what's best for each individual child um and i think sometimes that that gets lost But for the people that are listening who feel as though they do follow the rules, they follow the orders, they they don't make disparaging remarks about the other parent in front of the children, but they feel like the other one does. The other one isn't following the orders. The other one is the one always coming late or 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 maybe even just not showing up, just saying, oh, yeah, I know it's my day, but something came up. See you later or fighting with them or just acting inappropriately in front of the children. What do they do? Because we get that question all the time. What do I do? I'm trying to play nice in the sandbox. I'm doing everything right. And the other person isn't. What do I do? Well, you know, when I first started practicing law, um, it wasn't a hard decision for me to make to go to court. Because if you had an agreement and someone was violating it routinely, and that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the one-time violation of the two times. We're talking about someone who's violating it on an ongoing basis, maybe every week, every two weeks. And it used to be that you could go into court with an order and get a judge that actually would enforce it and say, this is what's going to happen. And maybe even order the person who's violating it to pay counsel fees as a sort of a sanction. These days... My attitude has changed. Um, we sort of are living in a world where you can't always um, count on the judges to really try to correct bad behavior. And so you're sort of left in a, in a situation where I think that it becomes even more important that how you deal with things in the divorce is really going to um, affect how things uh go down the road. So if you really want to take the scorched earth apro- approach and you know you're let's say you're I'll be I'll stereotype let's say dad wants 50/50 time mom's like no you should be a weekend dad. If you guys are just going to sit and fight about that instead of coming at a place of what's most important for the kids what's in their best interest you guys are never going to agree on anything down the road. So I think it's more uh important now than ever to get people to really concentrate on doing what's best for their kids at the very beginning. And I think a lot of times that means you got to deal with your kids before you even start talking about money so you don't start to mix the two. Um, Because if you start from a place of we can't agree on anything and we've got to litigate everything, that's the place you're always going to be. 
And as I just said, the courts are not particularly helpful anymore. So, and that's frustrating for many people because, you know, it's easy. It says on this order that he's supposed to bring them on Fridays at five. Judge, he always comes at 7.30 or eight o'clock or nine o'clock. And three times he didn't even show up at all until Saturday morning. It's really frustrating whenever you go to court and half the time judges say, slap on the wrist, don't ever do that again. Or they just send you to mediation. Or they send you to mediation where, you know, you sit in front of the same person who's going to promise probably I won't do it again. And then you leave and they do it again. So it's very frustrating. So it really is creating sort of this environment where both parties are um, on the same page when it comes to their kids. Because, you know, if you don't do it from the very beginning, that's what you're going to be dealing with. And let me tell you, it sucks. I mean, I talk to so many people that are just throwing their hands up in the air. They spend a ton of money on us and they don't get any kind of resolution that makes any sense. And, you know, I don't know why that is. I don't know what's changed in the court system, but I'm here to tell you that's the way it is right now. Yeah, and I think, too, you, what you get into is something that's just not a legal issue. You can't run to court because your ex-spouse isn't being nice to you. Because that's really what it is. They're not being respectful. They're not respecting your time. They're not respecting the child's time with you. That's really what it boils down to. I can't do that. It's not It's not within my power. It's not within the judge's power. So sometimes what I will say, which maybe doesn't seem as so nice, is, look, you picked them. Okay? Nobody forced this on you. You picked them. You are stuck with them. I know that really doesn't seem like an adequate answer. It's not. But it's the best we got. Other than some of the other suggestions that we're making to try to manage the situation, at some point, it just is what it is. And if the person's always going to be 15 minutes late, then he or she is always going to be 15 minutes late. And that's just the way that life is going to be. And if that's the worst that you've got going on, that's, you know, it's not great, but that's certainly not something that I would ever encourage somebody to ever go to court on. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the 15 minutes late is just an example. It could be anything. It could be that I remember one case I had the husband was very health conscious and the wife wasn't. And she, during her time, she would take the kids to McDonald's and he hated that. It drove him crazy. He wanted a court order prohibiting her from taking the children to McDonald's. And Wait, McDonald's isn't healthy? I, no, last I heard, it's not. Well, maybe they have vegan burgers there now, so maybe those are better. But <laughs> he wasn't feeding them vegan burgers. And, you know, that's that's an example where it's just a parenting life. It's a lifestyle difference, and it's a parenting style difference. And there's nothing that the court can do about that. There's nothing lawyers can do about that. So if that's one of your concerns, because I think it is something that comes up often enough, is that they're eating a lot of junk food when they're over at mom's house or dad's house, or maybe they stay up too late, right? That's another one we hear all the time is they don't have a bedtime over there. It's a free for all. They do whatever they want. The judge is not going to interfere with that. That is what is considered to be a parenting style. And unless you can really demonstrate very specifically that this has had an impact on the child's health in some fashion, you're not going anywhere with it. So that's really, again, where the answer comes in that I'm sorry, but you picked them or you picked her and you're stuck with that. That's the other parent. You're not going to change them. And it just is what it is. So 
I know it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, but if you can get comfortable with that, then you will make your life a lot easier. Just try to be the best influence that you can be on your children in other ways. So maybe, you know, you eat healthy on your side and hopefully your children will pick up those habits and not develop a taste for McDonald's or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. No, you're absolutely right. You've got to uh, you've got to roll with the punches to some degree. And this actually causes even more problems, too, because if you have one parent that's really lax, late bedtimes, lets you eat junk food and whatnot, the kids over time may start to want to be at that parent's house a little bit more. And so it does create additional problems that you it have does. to deal with. But you're right. There's really nothing you can do about it. But um, I do have a little story that sort of uh, crystallizes what's going on here. So I was on a cruise um, at the end of August that ended up being extended to almost two weeks because of a hurricane. And someone I met on the boat was a uh, divorced parent that was on the cruise with his two children. And, you know, we were on this boat. There's a hurricane. It got delayed. There is nothing that he could have done about it. That's a great example. Yeah, it is. But it, but it, let me tell you something. She was nasty. She was threatening to go to court. She wanted him to, at very large expense to him, get the kid, you know, get the kids off on one of the islands and fly them home. That's so ridiculous. Because you know they were going to miss the first day of school. Well, guess what? This was an act of nature act of God, whatever you want to call it. And there was nothing that any of us could have done about it. And let me tell you, she was texting and calling and FaceTiming pretty much every 20 to 30 minutes the entire time of the extended part of the cruise. But did she think that he was lying? I don't know what she thought. Um, and of course, she was upset that one of the kids, I think, was in the room and was in the room watching videos and didn't want to do anything. And the other kid was in the kids club, you know, like on cruises, they've got a little kids club where kids can go and just hang out without their parents around. So she was getting more upset about the fact these kids aren't they weren't even with you. So you should get them home because they need to be doing X, Y, And how was he supposed to do that? With a, a helicopter? Well, I think, I don't know if I told See, you. See, that's where people, you lose your minds. Yeah, when Somebody hears crazy. this and they just think crazy. Well, you know, th- this is apparently par for the course with her, which is why once someone gets into this mindset, they do it all the time when it comes to yeah. other kids. But, I mean, he could have taken uh, a plane from uh, one, of the, uh, one of the islands but it would have been at a significant expense to uh, to him, all just to appease but her. But why? I mean, is it really the end of the world if the child doesn't go to the first day of school? It's not ideal. No. It's not ideal. Well, let me tell but you something. Is anyone going to die because no. he doesn't go to school the very first day? No, but I will tell you, she, she has ha- got him into such a state of concern about it. The child, he, you mean? No, the her ex-husband. He was very concerned about the ramifications of what was going to happen to him for this. And I just looked at him and I was like, you know what? And he's not. He doesn't live in uh, New Jersey, so I yeah. couldn't have represented him. I was going to say, I hope you schooled him on that. Yeah, I did. And you know, and I basically said, just ignore her now. I mean, just say yeah. the kids are okay. 
I have a right to vacation with my children. I know it's a little bit longer. Offer her some makeup time just to shut her up. Yeah, I mean, that's completely beyond his control. Yeah. That was beyond his control. So, you know, that, but, that's, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. There's things beyond your control that you just have to. I mean, if you take your kids to Orlando, to Disney World, and we all know there's thunderstorms like crazy during the summer. And let's say your flight gets canceled or something. You have to spend an additional night. You're not doing that to be, you know, difficult. I I really think that what the other parent focuses too much on is that this person's winning somehow. And if they're winning, then that means I'm losing. I think people focus far too much on that. They feel like they've suffered some great loss if this other person just seems to be getting their way all the time. So that's a great example. So dad was getting his way. He was getting a little extra time with the child. And mom was mad. She was mad about it. I wonder how she would have felt if the tables were turned. And it was her that was I'm sure it would have been just fine. So, I mean, this is obviously a really extreme example. I mean, how often is that going to happen? But it could be something else. You know, there could be something else that requires the child to stay with mom or dad longer. These are the kinds of things that we're talking about. There are an infinite number of examples where you guys individually could be having some problem. If you have any questions for us, feel free to give us a call and make an appointment for a consultation. We can explore those a little further with you. See if there's anything that you can do about it or maybe just give you some insight as to what a judge may do with it or offer some other explanations Um, Just give us a call at 732-529-6937 and we can explore that further with you.